Hello, friends. Welcome to Silo Busting. I'm your host, Allison Coton, an interaction designer at EPAM Continuum. This is the first of our cybersecurity by design episodes, as Sam Raymond, Chief Information Security Officer and SVP, and our producer, Ken Gordon, talk us through the complex and evolving world of cloud security. Sam's going to unpack the anxiety that cloud-based services evoke for many business leaders, and then talk us down from the ledge with some straightforward thinking about data strategy and cybersecurity. As individuals, we trust our most precious digital assets, from baby photos to stock portfolios, if you should be so lucky, to the cloud. We hope the businesses that handle these assets are being smart and proactive and are treasuring our stuff as much as we do. And the people on the other side of that equation, from developers to executives, are working to earn our trust again and again as hackers and other online malefactors probe every weakness in their defenses. It's exciting stuff and worrying, too, if you're new to this world. So let's hear about it from the business side. What should companies consider? What terminology should we all learn to understand? And how can innovation happen safely up in the digital ether? Let's begin by telling me how cloud security is different than, for example, on-prem. Can you give us some general sense of what's special and unusual and um, important about cloud security? Yeah, it's it's funny, actually. If, if you look at, um, we, we went through stages with clients. And, and again, I could talk forever about this topic, so gauge a little bit, jump in any time. Mm-hmm. But what it comes down to is, is, is clients are moving, into, you know, people are moving over from on-prem solution. And now there's a lot more, you know, motion around moving to one cloud, multiple clouds, and so on. And, and it used to be that people would swing from one side to the other side, which is they would say, no, 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 this is too insecure. I can't do this. You know, I have no control over physical security. It's somebody else's responsibility. And I can't control the hardware. How can I do this? To the other side, eh, just the same model would work. Uh, if you used exactly the same model, you know, as you did with on-prem, I'm just going to, you know, apply that same ring fencing method and and just control the perimeter, that would work. The, the truth, as always, is somewhere in the middle. Maybe not exactly the middle, but somewhere in between the two. Um, cloud is a different model altogether. Yes, is virtualization. Yes, is somebody else's machine, as we always joke about. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, you do lose certain things. You do lose certain aspect of it. And so it's critical to understand where the differences are, um, especially when it comes to multiple cloud and hybrid on-prem, you know, and, and, and cloud merging between the two. How do you tie those two together? But I'll, I'll just list out maybe from top to bottom a couple of things that, you know, I would say is is very obvious. You know, number one is is obviously you don't have access to, to the equipment. Usually most of the time you don't have access to the equipment itself. So how do you trust the, 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 the you know, hypervisor? How do you trust the container? How do you trust the platform itself? I think that's a big part of it. But at the same time, you know, I think most clients are, are leaning towards, yes, you know, they would comply to it. We would audit them, but, you know, they basically comply to standards and so on. But there's still something that's tricky about that, you know, for most of the clients. So now then you move on to start looking at what about data there's still so many SV buckets out there that's not protected. I, I hate saying it again because it sounds like a broken record, but it's, it's true. As people start to move data over to the cloud, um, it's it's important to understand what is your critical set of asset and what is a criti- critical set of data that you really have to protect in a different way. And it's very easy for people to just dump everything over the cloud and say, oh, yeah, the whole thing is protected or I tokenize so-and-so. And, and without having that visibility to actually where the data is actually going and, and where it's being protected and how it's being protected. And so that, that caused a lot of issues around that. But then 
if you scale, you know, step back a little bit to look at the scale of it, that's the other aspect. The whole point of moving to the cloud for most people is to scale, is so that we can actually have a way that you can scale up and scale the flexibility of it. All that flexibility comes with a cost. That scale comes to cost. And this is why, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but this is why automation is so critical about on, on, on cloud, because the whole flexibility part would never work if there was a human being tied in. I'm not saying there was a button that you can click and all of a sudden everything would be secure. That's not the point. It's to create your basic hygiene, your security hygiene, your baseline, making sure that that baseline is there attached to your flexibility, meaning that as you as elastic as your cloud could be, as you start to flex you know, horizontally, how can you actually make sure that your security control would flex with it? That's the key point. Does it solve 100% of the problem? No. Will it make the environment much more controllable and make sure that your security team could focus on the intrusion, not so much just on basic hygiene? Absolutely. That's the key part. So automation comes in a big part of it. But ultimately, what, what it means is you have to look at your cloud strategy and look at security at the same time. You design that in, making sure that as you move to the cloud, let's say these are the top five things that you're trying to do. I want to scale better. I want to move my cloud, make it more elastic. I want my development team to be you know, more agile and quicker in deployment. I don't, I don't want to unleash them so that they can actually build more code and faster and release more often. I want to be able to get to the customer a lot better and they don't have to worry about like sitting there and waiting for an application and it could be a lot more dynamic. I want to have A-B testing. Those are all valid reasons to go to the cloud. Each one of those should be attached to and say, okay, so what is my set of vulnerabilities and from this aspect of it, which is, you know, yes, more users can get to it. So what is my IEM? What, what is my identity strategy around it on the cloud? Do I have to daisy chain it across multiple systems on SaaS and so on? Or if you if you say that you're going to release more often, how do I make sure that every release doesn't end up generating a whole set of vulnerabilities that now I have to like deal with afterwards? So those are those are all things that you need to really look at from a cloud perspective. And that's why it's an interesting topic for me, because I think it, it really generates a new area. We carry over a lot of the best practices, of course. Those are all critical things, the, the typical controls around what you need to do. But the model around it, you know, the, the attack surface is really, really dynamic, and it's a different set of rules. So you have to look at it differently, but really design it in. That's really interesting. I, I, one of the things I'm curious about is, is data. Uh, how important is a, is a new data strategy when you when you move to the cloud? What would, what would you say to someone who wants to know more about um, sort of building a data strategy? Data is is um, data strategy and, and data dissemination is is critical as you build out to cloud as you start to move toward a cloud because the the old model and, and the on-prem model with one monolithic database or whatever it is it, it doesn't apply anymore. Yes, you can lift and shift, but the benefit is gone. In fact, it would actually tie your hands and you can really take advantage of the cloud. Ultimately, majority of your architecture is actually constrained by your data whether you like it or not. But there, there are model, like domain model and so on, that would actually allow you to unleash it, make it more elastic. Um, map it back to, to security, though, is that number one thing you ask yourself is, you know, how do I protect it? It's just everybody talks about it, which is what is your key management scheme? Because at the end of the day, you know, yes, I encrypt my data, you know, at, at rest, I encrypt it in transit. And so what do you keep your keys, though? And and that's your that should be one of the first question you ask, which is what what is the, you know, where do I hold my keys? What do I trust within that environment? And in case something happens, what is my blast radius? How bad would it be? How much would it impact my business? 
one thing I do have to say about the data, though, is data is not everything. Attackers, they, they love to attack data in the old days because, you know, that's where they feel the raw data, you know, as a, a, you know, a, a value is. It's still true in many areas. For example, if it's ransomware, if they're really just looking for PII, if they're really just looking for stealing identities, all those things, yes, there was still direct data. It's much more valuable for them to attack the application because that runs through your transaction. Think about it, ultimately. Is it better for me to actually try to modify it from a database? Very you know, crude level looking at it. If I want to get something done, let's say I want to run a transaction, is it better for me to actually figure out how your schema works and go to your database and then modify that and come back and you know and cover my traces? Or is it better for a hacker to actually go through the transaction, run through your application? Because so much of application logic is in the application. Is it better for them to just run through an application, steal an identity, run through it, and then, you know, as of your system, just running through the normal process and then come back around? Of course. The second part is where, where they can gain the most in transaction. And this is where most of the the, the hidden or the persistent type of, of attack is going to happen, which is around the application layer. So database, your storage, your data uh, loss prevention is absolutely critical around, you know, uh, looking at your data set. But ultimately, that's not the only thing you need to protect. Protect that with your set of hygiene, making sure that, you know, obviously they're encrypted, as I said before, making sure that you understand where you store your keys in, because there's a strong strategy around your key management, and then making sure that, you know, the access semantics is very, very clear. And then focus on building out your threat modeling around your application. Understand what the inputs are, what the outputs are, and then from that, figure out what the vulnerabilities are, and then come up with your plan to mitigate them. So... That's what I would look at and instead of just look at the data set and say, you know, these are my data lakes and, and so on. So now there, there's one more aspect around data that is it is very sloppy right now with people, especially in the cloud, because it's so elastic. It's almost like somebody gave you a notebook and you just grow pages. People tend to abuse them. Obviously, if you have a notebook like that, you would just, you know, write something on every page because you just grow. Because of how, you know, the cloud brings that flexibility it could bring a different level of, of, of problem with data dissemination and, and data leakage where you, you basically have data lakes after data lakes for analytics. Do you actually anonymize the data? Do you cover that data when you anonymize them? How do you anonymize them? Is the pattern so obvious that as I you know get access to two or three lakes, I can actually see it? Those are the things that you really have to look at. And, and just having a data inventory right now for most organizations, it's a difficult task. And, and so start with that. Have an inventory of where your data sets are, and then ask yourself, you know, what's the most critical set of data for you? And then from then, work built out your plan. Some of that would be based on control. Some of them would be based on, yes, you don't allow it, you allow it. Some of those would be based on automation tools I mentioned before. And then the other part is, you know, really take advantage of the cloud. If you go embrace some of the native solution, not everything, not everything that just came out, you know, since yesterday and, you know, jump on as a beta customer. But as you start to embrace some of these model that, that matches it, you know, with, with what your applications are building, you see that the application and data needs to be, bind, you know, really, you need to bind them together. And as you do that, your security constraint could actually be built around that as a unit of work, whether that's one cluster, whether that's a unit of work. That create your second layer. And then there was a third layer around it. And then the fourth layer, as you build out these layers, it not only you know, create your micro-segmentation, it creates your layers of protection, but it also control the, the blast radius, 
very well in that way. But so start with that data inventory that would help you. Sam, there's more than one cloud. What about multiple clouds? What should we watch out for when we're getting involved in multiple clouds? Yeah, that's a, that's a great topic. So I'll start with uh, a little bit more about a single cloud, then I'll expand it out to multiple clouds. So on a, um, my, my recommendation is, you know, take advantage of the cloud native security solutions. Um, a lot of that provides a lot of insight. So, so try not to just use a blanket abstraction layer. Some of them are useful, but don't assume that that would solve all your problems. Uh, it's important to actually go down one layer deeper. The devil's always in the detail when it comes to security. Uh, um, now, when you look at multiple clouds, however, having abstraction across multiple cloud, having a solution that would actually give you insight across multiple clouds, and it's very beneficial, it's very helpful. But at the same time, because the clouds are so different, because all the carriers, the public clouds we're talking about now, they're so different that you really need to treat them, each one of them, you know, separately. So again, the layering technique that we're talking about in this case is a different idea, but it's it's it, it applies as well, which is have your abstraction layer that cuts across all of them, which is, you know, if you if you say your policy or your, your methods is around, you know, grouping a micro segment that basically have this set of application with this set of data, that's my runnable unit. If you happen to run that across multiple clouds or, you know, different flavors across multiple clouds, those, you know, constrain whether there's a VLAN constraint around the network or you actually have, you know, other kinds of protection and controls around it. Those should still apply as a policy. Yes, absolutely. But then, you know, don't just stop there. You absolutely need to go down one more layer to the cloud native security controls and methods. Um, as I said before, every cloud's got their own strengths and then their own weaknesses. And the hackers, they know that very, very well. So if you stop at just a conceptual layer, uh, trust me, they would, they would very quickly jump down the next layer and take advantage of it. So look at each and every cloud. So first look at your across the cloud strategy, which is, you know, how do you actually control a unit? What do you what do you fence off? What do you not fence off? How do you group things together, and how do you put controls around them? And then what set of, you know align them with your your risk profile? And then from then look in each and every cloud and understand what the vulnerabilities are for those clouds and, and what tools you can take advantage of that you can actually use within that specific you know provider. Uh, that would be my recommendation. And then if you consider also your on-prem solution and and you know OpenStack or VMware, whatever it is that you have your on on-prem solution. Almost the same applies, except that you have a lot more capability there. So now, you know, you can even go deeper than if you could before. And I would recommend doing that, obviously. So go even deeper on your on-prem so that you have that high-level protection. Yeah, there are a lot of capabilities with the cloud. That's something I actually want to ask a little bit more about, about sort of the dynamic and elastic nature of the cloud for security. Can you Can you talk about that? Yeah, that, that ties into to automation very, very well. So um, one of the key benefits of the cloud, obviously, is that it, it gives um, the business owner the, the, the ability to choose and be, be much more flexible. It always goes back to agility of your business. And you can now decide where you want your investment, you know, as opposed to making it happen like six months from now, you can, you know, really make it happen very quickly you know, and, and, and scale things up and down. Now, as you do that, however, um, it, it's important to make sure that, you know, as you stretch your environment, 
as you scale it out horizontally that your security control maintains. So as simple as if you have any kind of agent that, that you know, either monitor or protect your systems, obviously those should actually be in your image, but it's, you know, scratched at the same time. If you have any kind of instrumentation, any kind of monitoring system, make sure that they're, they're fully automated. So as people, as they actually start to build out and extend out the cluster, instead of actually having, okay, we'll do it in a run book that somebody else would add one more instrumentation then we watch out for those instances. That's always where you're going to miss something. And, and so automate those pieces. Don't, don't cheat on that. Make sure that you automate it as you stretch. So it should not even be an option to say, you know, I, I, I scale it out and then I'll, I'll put, you know, some instrumentation afterward. There was no such thing as, as, as really just in a completely harmless sandbox. There, there is no such thing. So, uh, you know, even mm-hmm. if you have sandboxes outside of your production environment, think about what you put in your sandboxes. Every sandbox could potentially be a passive recon, you know, source for, for an hacker. So just, you know, look at what you're giving away. Look at what information you're giving away. Think like a hacker in a, sen- in a sense that think about what they can actually find out about you. As they start to pressure, as they start to press on your pressure point, they push your load. As they start to generate load to attack your site, these days it's not so much about just doing a DDoS. People might be testing your environment to see what your what your reactions are. As they start to put bots on it and they see it, it's it's a puzzle. It's a it's a test. It's you know that's how active recon works. That's how uh, you know hackers they would they would tend to approach a system. So look at your flexibility and and make sure that you run cyber exercises, whether it's continuous red team. And or just even within your load tests, look at and see if you compromise on anything within your your stress you know stages. Those are key thing that that uh, attackers will try someday. Trust me. And so you might as well try and fix it before they actually get a chance to exploit it. That that makes sense. Um, I was thinking about dynamism, and I was thinking about agile. How does agile fit in here? Could you say a little bit about that? Yeah, that's a tough one. That, that might be a separate podcast all by itself, but maybe in so, the future. Maybe in the future. But so here is the here is the um, the uh, the agile. So I'll put my engineering, you know, head on and 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 think about writing code and, and great shorter iterations and you know writing you know quicker releases. I'll build you know I, I'll focus on you know getting the hands of a user as opposed to just writing specs and specs and all those all that beauty. I love it. And, and so you start having this DevOps pipeline. Yes, you run your, your SaaS, your DAS tool, you scan out your, your code and making sure that, you know, they're, they're, they don't have like, you know, typical buffer overflow or string, you know, copy and string and copy and stuff like that. And then, and then you move it down the pipeline and you release more often. All that sounds great from a production perspective. Think about the mutation of your, your, your binary. Think about every release that goes out that, form changes and if you were to go into old school and say okay that means every release i got to go through a pen testing every release i got to go through a make sure that because you have new features in there i got to do a new new threat model it's not wrong it's right but think about it that way for a second and i've been in that situation myself before in some of my product companies where you would release that piece of code and then you wait two, three weeks for pen testing to come back and then you fix your bugs, then you release your release cycle just pushes out. It's it's like a you know it's just completely like a dead air in between your release cycle. 
and owns on everything that you've done to actually make sure that you can get the features to the hands of the users quicker and more agile, small pieces, smaller chunk. That went out the door. It, it, and that's why, you know, there was this conflict between, typically there was this conflict between the product team and the security team and there were debate back and forth and the security you know, team was like, come on guys, you got to be responsible. And then the, the product team would go, was like, no, come on, I got to release this feature. What are we going to do? That, that friction is never going to completely go away. It's actually healthy. At the same time, if you if you have this choke point in between that ends a cycle or stops the cycle so much that you lose that momentum, it, it's a really difficult thing to release a product that way. And so what is the solution? Well, there, there it really depends on the situation, but there are certain aspects of things that you can actually protect your application and make sure that that final sequence is, is not as long. So uh, for example, making sure that your threat modeling is actually done on the application, but then as you migrate features, do that ahead of time. Build out small pieces of it and then model the changes. Understand what the cascading effect would be. Those are things that you can actually do incrementally. Does that mean that you're never going to have to have, have to look at it again? No, of course not. Your critical assets, if you have density of, of how critical your assets are within your application, Let's say you have a root key somewhere sitting in the application. God, please, of course, that part, any line of code changes, anything around that area, you need to make sure you retest them and, and be very careful about it. But then there are other areas that potentially you can actually, you know, box them out and you carefully box them out. Don't just assume that you actually have another piece of code change somewhere else that it wouldn't affect, you know, another library. No, I mean, you could easily have corrupt the stack and then come back and then later on within a certain function, get back in that certain domain. It, it's, it's important to, to really truly understand where, where you know, your segregation lies within the application or the mobile piece or the you know, your server piece. But then as you do that, you know, be more flexible, think ahead a little bit, design security in, knowing that security is gonna come in. It's not like, it's a surprise. It's not like that, you know, oh, you say we have to do a pen test. No, of course you know that we have to do that. Oh, you're going to do a SAS or, or a scan? Of course you know that. So design that in as you build out, you know, your your entire DevOps pipeline. That's great. Now, the one last thing I want to ask you is about something you said before, is that there's a lot of fear uh, out there amongst um, clients, uh, uh, fear of the cloud and fear in the, the unknown that surrounds the cloud. Could you talk about how that fear expresses itself and sort of how you uh, help clients to deal with it. There, there, um, so we, we, we trust things that we have line of sight, like we have either experience or line of sight. Those are easy things to trust. If you have an understanding around it, anytime there was an unknown, it, it makes it very difficult. And, the cloud is still, believe it or not, it's still a big unknown for a lot of industries uh, in, right. in various different ways, of course, but it's still a big unknown. So when it when it comes to building that trust, I think some of that is a muscle that you need to build out, which is as a team, and it's a cultural thing too. It, it's within your organization. As you start to, I think what is not healthy, I'll talk about that real quick. What is not healthy is treating the cloud completely as just another another machine. That is not healthy. Right. I think that is a not taking advantage of it, and b you're just in denial. And and trust me, when you're in denial, bad things happen sooner or later. So, I think that would be bad. However, looking at the cloud, 
run some lighthouses, right? So build up the confidence within a team, build up the experience within a team, get some help from external, get get people to come in who's done this before, share the experience. I think that's critical. As you start to design it, don't don't say, well, okay, let's just run with it and then see what happens. Put that in your enterprise architecture and figure out exactly where cloud fits in and security fits in nicely. Have that, you know, up front. It, it will build confidence. That's actually what's going to build confidence, not take it away. And understand what the limitations are and understand where the risk, you know, profile is. It all starts with what your risk tolerance is for a number of things. It, there is no such thing as 100% secure. If you want to move to the cloud because you want everything to be 100% secure, you're lying to yourself. There's no such thing. So it's a matter of understanding what the risk profile is, understanding what your tolerance is, and more importantly, understanding how you can manage that risk, which is if a certain aspect of risk actually is you know, higher, what can I do to actually reduce the level of risk? It's not that you know, completely mitigated, but what can I do to actually manage it? Maybe is managing by segregating the environment. Maybe is managing by you know not having some features. To be honest with you, maybe is managed by putting a solution right up front in front of it to protect it. Maybe some of the solution you know having a choke in front of it would help. Maybe it won't. Maybe it's just about I need to see. Is you know it, it's very hard to protect the house if you you know if you can't see what's going on. So you have to maybe have some visibility, and and those are all tools you can use to raise security. But ultimately, it ties back to, you know, your 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 level of, of of what you can manage within your risk profile, what you couldn't. It's awesome, Sam. Thank you so much. It's it's been really good spending some time with you in the cloud today, and and I think our listeners have learned a lot. So I appreciate that. It's good talking to you, Ken. This has been Silo Busting, a podcast from EPAM Continuum. EPAM Continuum integrates business experience and technology consulting, focused on accelerating breakthrough ideas into meaningful impact. Why do we do this? Because real opportunities aren't siloed. Thanks to Sam Raymond for the great conversation. Cheers to Kit Palalas, our sound engineer extraordinaire, for getting this podcast recorded. Applause to Ken Gordon, our producer, for all his masterminding behind the scenes, and this time in front of the mic. I'm your host, Allison Coden, and I'm off to untether my dirigible.